Welcome to the Secret to Successful Development Projects, a podcast series from Muckle LLP. In this series, we'll look at how to get set for success as we tackle the key things you need to get right on a development project in bite-sized chunks. You can find out more about what we'll be covering at muckle-llp.com slash development success. This time around, we're looking at financing your development project. Hello, I'm Gail Bennett and I'm a partner in the real estate team at Muckle. Although I'm a property solicitor by trade, a lot of the work that I do relates to property finance for both lenders and borrowers. So I'm familiar with the issues that you tend to encounter when raising finance for property development. I'm joined today by Louise Duffy, who's a partner in and head of our banking team, and Will McKay, who's also a partner in the real estate team. I regularly work with both Louise and Will to support our clients with development and other funding requirements. Obviously, one of the key issues for a developer seeking to bring a development project forward is how to fund it other than from cash reserves or equity. Louise, I think it's fair to say that the traditional funding model is probably debt funding and secured lending. And you and I have worked together on a number of secured lending transactions recently. What can you tell us about what is involved on that type of funding? Yeah, thanks, Gail. Um, yes, we do work for a number of borrowers and lenders on a variety of projects, and the um, the requirements will depend on the nature of that project, uh, both the size of it and the the potential asset that's being developed. So it may be a residential housing project, um, it may be a school, university accommodation, a hotel. There are all sorts of um, variations, and there are specific funders to different markets as well. So some will be traditional bank funders, others will be very specialist funds, um, and there are a whole range of funders into the sector depending on the nature of the development. Quite often these are structured as particular special purpose vehicles, so a company might be set up for an individual development, and that means that that project is ring-fenced from other activities that that group might be carrying on. And what it means is that a funder looking at that project needs to um, understand what underpins that project in terms of the asset, so often the land uh, that underpins that, but also the contractual arrangements with all of the third parties, and the security will be structured around that. So typically there will be a loan into the individual borrower entity and then security over the land and the various contractual elements. Um, and because a development isn't a completed asset. It's more risky in some senses because it is work in progress. And so there are additional considerations for a funder uh, that might be um, looking at stepping into a project if things went uh, wrong on occasion. So it does mean they have to factor in additional uh, thoughts around the security structure in particular. Thanks. Um, I think that's probably the most common structure that we would come across, I would say, when we're, when we're acting for both both lenders and, and borrowers in, in a development finance scenario. But Will, as an alternative to bank funding, I think forward funding is now becoming more common in the current market. What could you tell us about that? Yes, thanks, Gail. Um, we're seeing more and more forward funding transactions, which is essentially the land which is to be built upon is sold to an investor client before the building's built um, with a funding agreement whereby the developer will agree to procure the development on the investor's behalf. Um, the investor will pay the cost of construction on a monthly certificate basis, but the developer's profit is rolled up until practical completion of the building. 
um, a lot of the institutional investors have moved into this space recently or over the last five years or so, um, having found it difficult to acquire investment assets in the traditional investment marketplace. So they're willing to accept the increased risk because they're taking an equity position on day one, which hopefully, should everything go well, gets them an increased reward over and above the interest charges over the course of the development. Thanks, Will. There's obviously quite a lot to consider with both of those options and what will depend, what, what is right for your development will depend on what's involved in the round and each one has its own complexities. Louise, with debt financing, the parties would usually try to address as many potential issues as possible at the very start of the transaction with a detailed term sheet. What would you say are the typical issues a term sheet would cover? Yeah, so um, term sheets do vary in, in the level of detail, but as you say, the, the more detailed they are, the more helpful that is as the project develops. So there are obviously some key commercial terms that the parties will be interested in, in capturing within those heads of terms. So the amount of the loan, the interest rate that's applicable to it, uh, the fees that are at the beginning, but also potentially exit fees at the end of the project as well. Um, any financial tests that um, are applicable during the course of the loan to make sure that the project is delivering in accordance with the development appraisal that underpins the loan. So there were there were lots of things around the commercials, including making sure that the purpose of the loan is broad enough to make sure that all of the costs of the development are captured. Um, and because the development often isn't just funded fully on day one, there are a number of drawdowns. One of the key areas is to look in detail at the items that need to be delivered before the funds are available for drawdown. So that, these are often referred to as conditions precedent, and they are they're obviously quite uh, comprehensive um, in the sense that the lender wants to see all of those items before it's prepared to fund either initially or a staged drawdown phase. But I think one of the, the really key issues to get into in a term sheet is anything that involves a third party, because the borrower can control a number of things itself, but if it is asking other parties to deliver either documentation or assurances to the lender, then that's something that needs to be flushed out right at the beginning. So one of the items that's certainly become more topical in recent times, and you and I have come across a number of these projects, is around insurance requirements. So some lenders are very specific around their stipulations as to how they want the insurance to be set up, what level of cover their rights under the insurance. And it's definitely worth having detailed conversations with the lender to understand their requirements to make sure that they can can be delivered on those terms. Um, and then secondly, as I say, everything that underpins a project really is, is the, the development uh, arrangements and contracts that sit um, to make sure that the third parties are delivering on the building contract terms or the professional appointments. So a lender will want to look into those documents initially and they may also want to take some direct uh, rights against those third parties. Uh, they might want to take what we refer to as collateral warranties so that a lender can look to those third parties to honour the obligations under their appointments or under their contracts. And again, the requirements of the lender and how far they want that to move out across the main contractor, the relevant subcontractors with design responsibility, it's really important to get to the bottom of that because if that isn't established right at the outset, then that can lead to delays 
down the line and also it might come as a surprise to those contractors or subcontractors whereas if actually that's very clear at the outset then that can be positioned with them very early on so they know what to expect and ideally the terms of what the lender requires can be put to them so that when they're agreeing to their contracts that can be factored in so i think as a priority on a term sheet anything that involves any third party is really worth going into in some detail i think it sounds like thinking about it at the start about holistically what people are going to require from a funding perspective is the key thing to getting it right and to making sure that you can deliver what you need to deliver when you get into the process with the lender so that you're not left high and dry at the end i think is is probably where we're coming at it with a detailed term sheet um, thanks, Louise. That's great. Uh, well, I think there's a number of additional st structural questions or positions you would want to consider when you're looking at de development financing as, as well. Could you just briefly tell us what those are? So, yes, in particular on a forward funding model, there is a, a, a balance of risk to be agreed between the parties, um, especially where the funder is an institutional investor. They will have certain parameters where they don't really want to take any more risk. They will usually seek to cap their, their liability by having a maximum sum so that any cost overruns or liquidated sustained damages will erode the developer's profit rather than increase their cost. Um, there are a whole host of issues that derive from the fact that the asset, i.e. the land, moves across on day one. The reasoning for the asset going across, as previously mentioned briefly, was there's a significant SDLT saving as SDLT will only be paid on the land value rather than the completed development value. Um, this creates a, a, a positive on the appraisal for everybody, but also means that um, issues such as where security is taken is, is difficult. So for, for the lender, um, they're probably contracting with a development company, which might be a special purpose vehicle for that. So how do they get security over the developer for performance of its obligations? Likewise for the developer, um, they will be deferring their profit element of payment, usually to a balloon payment at the end of practical completion. So how do they secure that? Um, there are the unknowns in any development, um, and traditionally a developer will try and pass these down to a building contractor as much as possible. Um, but the developer is at risk of being in the middle of between the funder and the building contractor, potentially also an occupational tenant if there's a pre-let. So who controls practical completion is a big issue. Um, who controls insurance is a very big issue. Um, there's probably additional layers of insurance required over and above the traditional debt finance, such as delay startup insurance, which will be a funder requirement. And then there are taxation issues such as what, what happens to irrecoverable VAT? Um, what happens in terms of the construction industry scheme regulation? And finally, a lot of the institutions are brought in on, a, on, on terms where their internal governance requires that they need to know who they're transacting with at all times. And so change of control um, and, and limiting who can invest or who can be a shareholder in development companies, etc., and who can lend into those development companies is a big issue for them as well. That's becoming increasingly common in the current marketplace. 
So I think it sounds to me like, again, the key thing in positioning yourself well as a developer is making sure that you've got buy-in from all of the entities involved. You're all aware of what terms you're going to be proceeding on and everyone's signed up to the key points at the start. Seems to me to be the message. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thanks very much, guys. As I said, I think the key theme seems to be there's a lot of options and a lot to consider with each one. So the earlier you start thinking about what you're going to need, what development structure might work for you, what financing structure might fit with that, and and how you're going to bring that together with the relevant key stakeholders involved in that, the better. We've got lots of experience across the team, both within the banking and the real estate team and also in the construction team. And we could hopefully give you a few pointers today which will make sure your project goes as smoothly as possible um, to, get it, to get it to completion and deliverability as quickly as we can. I think that's all we've got time for today. So thank you for listening. You've been listening to The Secret to Successful Development Projects, a podcast series from Muckle LLP. You can find out more at muckle-llp.com slash development success.